there is an agenda that all of you, I think, on this program are very aware of. And that is that there is a new religion in Canada. And it is a new religion throughout Western nations. And that is the religion of the LGBTQ. And if you're not willing to uh, sacrifice on that altar, so to speak, then you are cancelled, you are denigrated, you are, um, well, all kinds of things happen to you, right? But I think we have to understand that this is a spiritual as well as physical battle that we're in. We are so honored to have Dr. Ann Gillies joining us as our special guest speaker on tonight's Empower Hour. Ann is a wife, mother, grandmother, ordained pastor, international speaker, trauma specialist, founder of Restoring the Mosaic, and the author of several books, including the autobiographical work Damaged by the Predators Among Us, which reveals the depravity of pedophilia. Anne spent over 25 years in private counseling practice, working extensively with trauma survivors. In 2019, she retired from practice to focus on advocacy and political reform for the traumatized, for those struggling with unwanted sexual attractions, and for our vulnerable and precious children. Anne, welcome. We're so glad you can join us. I'm so pleased to be here with you tonight and with everyone that's watching. I just am so privileged. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And thank you, Heather. Dr. Ann, it is absolutely such an honor to have you on the show. You and I met uh, quite a few years ago when the first conversion therapy ban bills were on the table in the legislature. And um, over that period of time, we managed to get a couple of those bills shut down. And then they finally pushed one through in December of 2021. And it's all part of this grand scheme to sexualize our children and advance pedophilia. And uh, I am just so grateful because you have just such a long list of credentials. And you have, um, as Heather had mentioned to everybody, that you put everything else aside and on hold in 2019 to take this full on. And you are one of the only therapists I know who have been on the front line, you and Jordan Peterson, (laughs) and have been on the front line of exposing this. So thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to your presentation. Well, wonderful. And yes, it's been, um, it's certainly been a journey for all of us, hasn't it? Over the last, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, last several years, for sure. So, okay, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this right uh, at the very beginning, that um, there is an agenda that all of you, I think, on this program are very aware of. And that is that there is a new religion in Canada. And it is a new religion throughout Western nations. And that is the religion of the LGBTQ. And if you're not willing to uh, sacrifice on that altar, so to speak, then you are canceled. You are denigrated. You are, um, well, all kinds of things happen to you, right? But I think we have to understand that this is a spiritual as well as physical battle that we're in. And it is so important that we we maintain that. We love people. And we are not suggesting um, that those within the community itself, all of those people, are are happy about what's happening with our children. In fact, 
um, there's a group called Gays Against Grooming. They have joined forces now to stand against what's happening, the SOGI curriculum, which is really, um, this is a beginning of something new. At the same time, I really want to say to you all that LGBTQ activists, politicians who have been probably bought off most of the time um, and who are very much uh, forerunners in all of this, have certainly funneled so much into our culture and our society that has so um, elevated the whole idea of sexualizing our children and the area of pedophilia. So I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to just basically just go through the slides. I have quite a few, so we're just going to kind of run through them. I'm not going to be super quick, but um, I want to get to the questions and answers at the end. So uh, without further ado, let's see how this works when I share my screen and start from the beginning. So um, Tanya mentioned truth. And I want to tell you, this is what I like to say to people, that that it is kind and it is loving to tell the truth, especially to our children. And so parents, if you are wrapped up in the rhetoric that goes along with all of the things uh, being taught in the schools, especially on the area of LGBTQ, then you are contributing. We want to pull back from that. We want to help you to speak the truth in love. So truth really is the elephant in the room. We're going to talk about the last taboo today. And what I want to say to you, when the purpose of life is contentment, and contentment, life and contentment, is personal sexual freedom, which has been um, the whole trajectory for quite a while. It's all been, especially since the 60s, personal sexual freedom. We have the right to have sex with anyone, anytime that we want. And there are no limits if that's the purpose in life. The limits and boundaries that one would have anticipated um, are considered now to be suppression of individual sexual rights. Now, you probably already are aware of that, but what happens to a society when there are no limits and too much is not enough? And one of the things um, early on when I was researching for closing the floodgates, this is the line that continually came up when I was looking at some things, um, documents and things from the LGBTQ and the line was, too much is not enough. Too much is not enough. What does that mean? Well, let's take a look. So this is a quick timeline of events. And so I talk a lot about that in Closing the Floodgates, and I basically go through a lot of uh, research. But since 1948, uh, with Alfred Kinsey, and he was a uh, professor at the University of Indiana, who decided to specialize in sexuality. He and his fraudulent research changed, has changed the minds of our whole culture. And his research would not even pass the light of day if it was in universities now. But somehow, governments and uh, school systems began to utilize it. And what you see... Um, the chart, the Kinsey scale of sexual behavior is now what your kindergarten kids 
are being told because Kinsey believed right from the get-go that his, his theory was that we are all born bisexual. You know, there's no factual evidence for this, but his belief system is just so prevalent in our, in our whole culture. So the sexual revolution, then sex ed, um, sex ed changes in the 1980s, 1990s. The whole idea of marriage and family started to really denigrate in those years. And then um, from 1990 to 2008, the LGBT activists really moved forward aggressively in our culture. That went on steroids in the last few years with the new sex ad and then propaganda that sex ed saves lives. And now, of course, the trans identity. So that's kind of a bit of the trajectory of how we got to where we are right now. I talk a lot more in detail in Closing the Floodgates, but this is kind of where we're at. So, oh, I have that in twice. Let me just let me just forward that. I thought I took it out. The unspoken crisis that we are now experiencing is pedophilia, and it refers to any sexual interest or act toward children by an adult. It's both a mental illness classification in the DSM, the Psychological Bible, as well as a criminal offense still. But we don't know for how long because um, all of this was talked about in uh, 2014. And I'll talk a little bit about that um, by academics and the American Psychological Association um, when they tried to utilize um, a change making pedophilia an orientation. So there's different designations. um, And I'm not going to go into all of these, but they're just within uh, academia and certainly within diagnostics, there's different um, designations for the age of children. And so pedophile really uh, is for those um, adults who are interested and have sexual relationships with ships with children under 10. And then we have hebophile, that's a, uh, someone attracted to a prepubescent child. And then an ephobile, who is an individual that's inter, uh, interested in those who have gone through puberty until 16 to 19 year olds, basically. Um, there's no typical pedophiles. I'll talk a little bit about some of my story in a few minutes. And as you know, they're found in every area of strata of life in every community and often known or related to the child. We know now that they act, may act alone or organize themselves into groups. And, you know, sex trafficking um, was hardly heard of before 2010. Now we hear of it almost nightly on the news, if you watch the news, but it's happening all the time. Now, some of that is because of internet access and cell phones and all of those things, which is why children should not have cell phones. Um, But it's uh, just such a nefarious um, way of grabbing children and sexualizing them, grooming them and selling them uh, all over. And so pedophilia has just escalated. Pedophiles are very good at making friends with children quickly, also with making friends of the family so they can get in there. Um, They often come across as nice men. uh, And then maybe 1%, and that might even be 
and uh, that might even be high. 1% of pedophiles are women, although that is actually rising now uh, because women uh, who come into these groups uh, as children and are groomed then often are the ones who are actually enticing other girls in. So there is a, a larger group of women rising up within that organization, within the pedophile uh, mindset, who are um, abusing our children as well. So it's pretty awful up there. I hate to say it, but um, these people are very manipulative and sophisticated. And so we really have to protect our children. So I wanted just to draw your attention to the Kinsey Institute, which is at the University of Indiana. And so it's been up and running for 75 years since uh, Alfred Kinsey started it. In fact, uh, the university just erected a statue to Alfred Kinsey last summer. I thought I would just, yeah, throw up. (laughs) I mean, this is not a man we want anyone to emulate. And so their website is here. You might want to check it out. because you need to know what they teach. The the Kinsey Institute uh, of Sexology actually teaches um, more sex therapists than anywhere else in uh, the US, I'm pretty sure, and maybe in North America. And they call themselves a trusted source for scientific knowledge and research on critical issues in sexuality, gender, and reproduction. What they bring to you and to our families and to those that they instruct. So many teachers, then many of these um, people who go through the institute uh, become academics, become uh, university professors. They teach our teachers. So there's been this ongoing uh, teaching for many years. This is what Kinsey stated in 19. 19- Uh, 48, that masturbation of young boys is a valuable way to learn about childhood sexuality. Could you imagine that being even even thought of in research in this day and age? I mean, no um, researcher would be doing that to young young children because they'd be um, they'd be thrown out, even with all of our our ease. Uh, in the sexual realm, we have some standards still about what is allowed with children. Uh, healthy is not spelled right. Healthy and beneficial for whom? You know, it is not a beneficial thing for children. And then he also advocated for early childhood sexuality, saying that children are sexual beings from infancy onward. And that's what you hear in the school. It's taught um, universally in our uh, curriculums now for children. He also said this, they could and should have pleasurable sexual interaction with adult partners. So if you think that pedophilia is just something new on the scene, no, (laughs) that that Kinsey actually promoted it in 1948, and it has been gaining momentum. So your children are are getting um, the direct results of this kind of education. He also stated that the only unnatural sex act is that which cannot be performed. So that means just about everything, including bestiality. His associate, Pomeroy, in I think the late 70s, early 80s, said that incest between 
adults and younger children can also prove to be satisfying and an enriching experience. This is the product of Kinsey's training. He also said incestuous relationships can and do work well. Can you imagine? I mean, there's just, he is an academic. Pomeroy was an academic. And um, he said, we find many beautiful and sexually satisfying relationships between fathers and daughters. These may be transient or ongoing, but look what the last line said. They have no harmful effects. This is someone who has never taken the time or made the time to listen to the child, to care in the least bit for a child going through this. So I'm going to read to you just a portion um, from my book. This is the latest one that I just published. And I'm reading uh, just a few lines from the chapter that one of my sons wrote. Um, about his experience. And so the children on the front of the cover are my three children. Two of them have chapters in this book. And um, when the police investigated, this was after um, I had remarried because I ended up, I stayed with my first husband foolishly for 14 years, not knowing what he was doing had no idea that he was sexually abusing our children. And the reason, well, two reasons, I was working two jobs and he was mostly at home with the children. But the other thing was that he threatened them. He told them, and this is, this is typical of pedophiles, you tell your mother and I will kill her or I will kill you. So what child is ever going to divulge anything? So let me read this to you, just a few lines. The sexual and physical abuse I remember had started when we lived in Vancouver, where I was born and lived until I was two years old. And it continued after we moved. I still remember all these years later the names of two of the men who were friends of my father's in Vancouver. These men, invited by my father, had sexually abused me. I was just a toddler. And when he told me that, that he actually remembered their names, I was I was shocked because it's very unusual for children to remember um, very much before, you know, four or five years old. They have little snippets, but he remembered their names. And then he goes on to say, dad's brute. Brutal abuse escalated when we moved back to Ontario. This was his hometown, and he began bringing boyfriends into the house when mom was working and the other kids were at school. There were three or four guys who regularly visited to have sex with my dad, and they would rape me. One thing I didn't uh, tell you is that my husband had repeatedly, over the course of our 14-year-old, 14-year marriage, come to me and said, uh, confess that he'd had homosexual affairs. And um, I chose uh, wrongly, of course, to forgive him and didn't really have uh, the ability at that point to set boundaries. And the church was not very helpful either. But nevertheless, my ex-husband and his boyfriends would, would rape my son. And then he goes on, 
my dad would make me watch them all have sex and then force me to comply with their wishes. This is how he ends that chapter. What kind of father would do that to his son? And I want to say to you, what kind of father? These are master manipulators. They are, um, they are men, as usually men, who have made some pretty serious choices. And they not only wound physically our children, but mentally, emotionally, their souls are damaged because of what's being done to them. These people are in our homes, unfortunately. They're in our schools. They're in our communities. And we need to be vigilant. And yet I look back, and now I would see some warning signs. But as a mom, working mother, and um, loved my husband, thought he was really good to the kids, but I was very, very, very deceived. So we have to be so cautious. Let me go on. In 2014, the New York Times ran an article called Pedophilia is Not a Disorder. It's a disorder, not a crime. And that in itself makes people go, oh, okay, it's not a disorder. You know, the New York Times is saying this, so it's got to be believable, right? But what this article talks about is that it's not a choice. You may have heard this before. But a disorder that may have neurological origins, or in simple words, born that way. You've heard that before, too. And that mantra, the born that way mantra that started, you know, in the 60s or even earlier, has been thrown out repeatedly. And probably um, between 2016 and 2021, there have been numerous uh, studies on sexual fluidity. And so this the LGBT themselves believe that sexuality is fluid, that you might uh, be homosexual sometimes and bisexual sometimes. And, and yet they still hold on to, the majority of them hold on to born that way. And there's no scientific suggestion either for LGBT or for pedophilia. You know, um, one thing with this article from the New York Times is that it, it's not a choice. I want to say to you that every behavior in life is a choice. Our thoughts fuel our emotions. You and I know this. And if our thoughts are left unchecked, they create our behavior. You know, as Christian believers, we believe that we can take every thought into the captivity of Christ. We can order our thoughts in a righteous way. And the world doesn't have that, of course, but even even people who are not believers, who may uh, have different religious um, associations, in fact, still believe that their thoughts can be moderated. And yet, when we come to this, pedophiles, that they don't have a choice. So let's get this straight. The pedophiles are not the victims. We have a choice in what we do with our cho uh, choices and 
our thoughts. And the true victims are the children who are used for gratification, sexual gratification of others. So pedophilia under the guise of intergenerational intimacy, and this is all about language um, distortion. And I wrote, I've written a book that's now at the publishers called Implosion, and it's about um, what's happening in our culture and the tipping point kind of with the LGBT um, agenda. And so part of that, I'm, I'm talking about language. You know, what does gay really mean? What did gay mean in the 50s? It didn't mean homosexual behavior. Now we have minor attracted persons maps that's gaining traction in our society due to this strong push from academia and the radicalization of terms and language is meant to kind of soften the impact of truth, right? You know that. Um, So this is, this is the truth that map equals a pedophile sex with a minor. It's rape. You, if you have sex with an underage child, in fact, if you have sex with any consulting, unconsenting adult, it's still rape. Underage woman is a child. It is a child. If someone is underage, that's a child. And non-consexual sex, that's rape. But you see, the, the language has been softened so that our culture can begin to go, oh, it's not that important. Oh, yeah, it is. So many academics and the maps themselves believe that this attraction becomes a central part of their identity. You've heard this before, that with trans, with all of the LGBT um, classifications, identities, it's central to who they are. It's their part, their identity. So again, born that way, the mantra of the LGBTQ is now coming within the whole area of pedophilic orientation. And if, if the DSM classifies or declassifies pedophilia as a disorder, then it will become an orientation and thereby no longer criminalized. Did you hear that? There won't be any clout left to, to actually lay charges if it's an orientation. So this should be a wake-up call to everyone. Um, it's, it's all about downplaying the horrific reality of the rape and abuse in their, of children's minds and their bodies. Um, Chris, uh, Ken Plummer, in 1991, um, he, he and many uh, UK academics um, really pushed the idea of pedophilia. They've been pushing it for many years. Uh, But pedophilia, he says, uses the language of child love, consent, joy, willingness, and choice. It's a language of desire. It's it's so dark. It is so evil. When you think of how these academics view children, Child love, when I think of a child loving someone, I think of innocence. I think of, you know, little children running to get a hug. Or maybe they've fallen and skinned their knee, you know, and they just need, just need to be comforted. 
That is child love, not, not incest, not rape. It isn't a language of desire, of sexual desire. It's a language of attachment to their parent, to their caregivers. And it's all being distorted. He also attempted to redefine the language around sexual abuse. He believed that children, this sounds like Kinsey, right? He believed that children, uh, victims, are actually partners. He didn't really look at children who were um, raped or who had um, been sexually abused as being victims. He said long-term effects, again, here you go, are mostly myths, which is such a lie, and that the stereotype of the child as innocent is not, it's, it's just a stereotype. It's wrong. You know, he knew nothing about developmental psych and used the very innocence of children to actually perpetrate something very evil. So. Um, Enough with all of those things. Here's the bottom line, folks. When we think of um, the altar of the LGBTQ, this is one of their slogans, right? Love is love. So I want you, the next time you hear this slogan come out of someone's mouth, and I've seen flags, I see flags on people's you know, front lawns, love is love. I just cringe. They have no idea most and what that means. That means that children can be sexually abused. They can be sexualized, that it's okay because all love is love. So if a pedophile loves your child, that's okay. And that is what we're coming to. That is, you know, there's, there's the drag queen, you know, and there's so many areas where they've infiltrated. And you're aware of that if you've been watching um, the, this uh, show for any length of time. And I think it's really, it's really important that we don't forget what we're fighting against. There is only one love that is absolutely pure, and that's love of God for our children the love of God for each one of you. That is pure love. Thank you very much for hanging in there with me. And um, I'm more than happy. This was just a brief overview, but um, yeah, more than happy to answer questions if that's where we go, Tanya. Yeah, thank you, Anne. I, I just want to have a little bit of a uh, conversation with you. I'm going to encourage people. Um, if you're on Facebook, I understand that the PowerPoint was not showing. When we launch this video later tomorrow afternoon, you can go to our Rumble page and view it, and you'll have all the PowerPoints there. So we welcome you to do that. If you're on Facebook as well and you want to ask Anne any questions, please join uh, this with this Zoom link that will be provided to you on Facebook and on our website. I believe on the homepage you can access it as well of Action for Canada if you are having trouble getting into this show. Anybody that's uh, attending with us, if you have questions, go to the Q&A at the bottom or raise your hand and we'll be getting to you shortly. Now, one of the things that you said, Anne, that I'm always um, wanting to go back on is, let me just see, Trenzio, can you share my screen for a moment?
Yes. Okay. Um, Anne had just mentioned that, uh, you know, they're working to make pedophilia legal in Canada and around the world uh, by making it an orientation, these incremental steps. But the reason that I have been educating Canadians on the fact that we are a Judeo-Christian nation built on Mm -hmm. biblical Christian values is because it is paramount to our freedoms, it is paramount to upholding morality in this country, and it is uh, paramount to our Constitution, our Charter of Rights, and the Coronation Oath, and our Criminal Code and Rule of Law. So the government is rubber-stamping all of these um, crazy... uh, these crazy legislations and immoral uh, rules for themselves, but, but they are null and void. They are actually not even permitted because as I've been hopefully training you up so that you can stand very forcefully in your rights and understand what, uh, the, the position that Canadians need to take is, I don't care what you rubber stamp, if it is in violation of the Constitution, it's of no force or effect. All right? Always go back to Section 521 of the Constitution Act, and it says it's the supreme law of Canada. And the Constitution is based on the fact that we're a biblical, uh, our, our Christianity is built on biblical values. And so if the legislation does not align with the Constitution and our criminal code and uh, biblical values, it's of no force or effect. So I I just have to, okay, we can stop share screen now. Trenzio, thank you. All right, there I am. And uh, I always end up on another screen. All right, so um, I think that's really, really solid uh, information to share with you right now. But the problem is is that when they push through legislation like this, the civil servants, such as the RCMP, councils, yes. bylaw officers, etc., say, well, it's legislated. And they have to back up the bus because if it's in violation of the Constitution or the Charter or the Criminal Code, it's of no force or effect. And we've, we've got to sometimes educate them. But the point is, is we've got to be moving in a direction to overturn this. And last week I had talked about a book about um, the, the magistrate. And we have a duty as Canadians that when there is a violation of rights, to this degree, we have a duty to stand up and to oppose it. Um, all right, and I'm sorry, I get on my little soapbox there because so easily people are accepting, you know, what the government is doing. I know they're all freaking out right now about the UN and a declaration or agreement that they're making regarding our health. The UN is an unelected body as well. They absolutely have no uh, power to tell Canadians and to interfere with our democracy and our constitution. So it's multi-levels. They are the ones that have instigated all of this teaching in our classrooms, the comprehensive sexuality education, and everybody figures it's like law and that they have the authority to do it. And it is only if in the minds of Canadians they submit to it. All right? They don't have authority that's, over that's us. Problem. That's the problem, right? Because... We have just so innocently or ignorantly um, chosen just to go along with uh, whatever we're told, and we've got to stop it. Right. You and I were talking about that uh, just prior uh, to the show, is that how do we uh, compel Canadians 
to not allow themselves to turn away from this great evil. And what I've been seeing over the years is because three or four years ago, we'd be lucky to get 20 parents in a room to oppose this. And now we've got thousands and thousands of Canadians who are getting on board. But sadly, one of the major reasons is, is because it's affected them personally. It's come into their home. Well, and that's it. And certainly with transgender um, and all of that goes along with that. And now people are starting to say this is not a good thing. And so the research that's been suppressed for the last several years is starting to filter in through programs like yours and others. Um, and so Canadians are starting to get educated, but it's only the beginning. We just have to keep going. Um, and we have to, we have to keep telling the truth. Right. And, um, I know it says in the Bible as well, for lack of knowledge, they shall perish. And so that's one of the reasons, and we love having you on the show, is because you're educating us, you're telling us, you're giving us the history of uh, Kinsey and pedophilia. Nothing is new under the sun, but it's a matter of what society is willing to do to take a stand against it. And that's a critical part of the work that we're doing. I know that when you were giving the portion of the presentation talking about Damage by the Predators Among Us, some people may not know that that book was uh, written be because this happened within your own home. Like you say, your ex-husband was that predator, was that predator within your home. And they are so cunning. Uh, pedophiles are so cunning because they know that if, if they are discovered, that that could be the death of them right? In in your situation, I mean, I understand that as a woman, I mean, there was an infidelity, even though it was an infidelity of uh, with a man with a man. And a lot of women may have said, well, how could you stay with him? Well, how could women stay with the men that are cheating in their lives? And then not realize that your children uh, were victims of this offense. So that must have been an incredibly difficult journey and i would imagine that writing how did it feel to write this book and and put your story down and then um you know allow the public to come into your personal life well and, and i i wrote the book with the permission of my sons too and so it mm -hmm. it actually starts with my story and and my own vulnerability so i I'm part of the 1%. My mother was raped and I was uh, put up for uh, adoption while I was in a foster home. And there's a lot of other stuff in my early history that uh, made me particularly vulnerable. And, uh, you know, my former husband took advantage of that. I, you know, looking back, I think, you know, he knew exactly what was going on and what he was doing. Now, writing the book, let me tell you that when I completed this book, I was going through uh, kind of page by page with a friend doing some editing. And on the second day, they said to me, he said, you know, I think I think I can just take it back home and I'll work through it and then send stuff back and we'll go back and forth. And I said, that would be a great idea because I was starting to feel really physically exhausted. He left that night. And I said to my husband, I am, I'm really not feeling uh, strong. I spent the next two months 
um, basically I'd get up in the morning and lay flat on a recliner all day long. I, everything within me was drained and it hit my Mm -hmm. physical body, not so much mentally because I've been processing the grief and the, and the guilt of what happened for years. And thank, thank God for Jesus, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and for his work in our lives and then the lives of my children. But but yeah, for two months, uh, going up and down the stairs, it would take me five minutes to get my legs right. moving up the stairs. It was so um, impactful. And I didn't think, I don't think I realized uh, quite how, uh, how it would feel at the end of it. It was somewhat right. of a release and a relief, mm-hmm. but it was also very draining. But it's so important. It, I see this as being such a strategic tool in the face of the enemy because i want to say you lose you lose because we have victory we have victory and you know i just thank you so much because you know in order to become vulnerable like that and as you say even the guilt that you would have worn because of uh you know what happened to your children i know there's going to be many people viewing this video who are going to feel a sense of relief uh because of you being so transparent because there are many parents have gone through this it's actually one in four women uh, this is an old stat so who knows where it is right now with all of this going on in our schools but one in four women or girls are uh, sexually assaulted at some point in their lifetime. Um, I've experienced it in my family. Uh, This is very near and dear to my heart, this subject. I know what predators look like. I know the consequences of that. And I even look up on it. um, That's okay to share screen now, uh, Terenzio. Thank you. And you know, I I look at that, that is that if we're not transparent, if we're not vulnerable about this, others will not know how to walk this journey. There may be individuals that are going to be watching this show tonight, and I know we're going to get to there are Q and A, but I'm just being very mindful about how this show is unfolding because of the individuals that will be watching tonight that may want to pick up a spirit of offense of what's being said because they have fallen prey to abuse. And then that abuse uh, abuse has manifested in their lives, like in many people's lives who have been abused, into um, it's, it's had a sinful effect on them. And as we know, coping mechanisms can include drugs. It can include alcohol. It can include going into a life of prostitution. But now what they're doing is they're creating victims in our school system who will go out and uh, re-victimize. And then within their own lives, what this is built on and how they're then controlling our children who have been victimized is because they're controllable because they've got this shame on them. And you don't uh, reach your full potential when you're covered in the shame. And so I, I had this verse open today, and it's from the Bible in John 3, chapter 19. And it says, it's talking about the word of God being the light, and it's talking about those who choose to honor God with their life and uh, live an upright life, and then those who are drawn towards this sinful nature. Even though it may come from a place of victimhood, you're still responsible. And so it says, and the judgment is based, God's judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. 
All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. And I want to give encouragement to those of you who are wrestling in in this sinful nature of sexual deviancy, of being drawn into victimhood by the LGBTQ. There are testimonies of people detransitioning and receiving complete restoration and healing. And so I want you to reach out. I want you to encourage you to get help. You see, Bill C-4, and I'm not meaning to take away any time from Anne, but Anne and I have worked on this with Bill C-4 with the conversion therapy bans. It was strategically implemented by the government to first impose all of these, uh, this radical ideology into the school get children confused on mass, a social contagion. And then once they come home to their parents and say, I no longer a girl, I'm a boy. You have to encourage their dysphoria. Otherwise you could spend five years in jail. And Dr. Ann could spend three years in jail and a huge fine. If a child that a parent brought to her office wanting to get to the root of the problem which is this deviant sexual uh, agenda, which has got pedophiles behind it, and the whole thing is protecting the abusers. And Anne, can you tell me from your side of it, what does it feel like to know the restrictions of the um, conversion therapy ban, this Bill C-4? How has that affected your life and your work? It's interesting because um, I want to back up a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. There were a couple of questions. There was a question I, if I can just address it first, asking me about my sons, and then I'll I'll talk mm-hmm. about this. Yes. Um, so my these two sons, um, the eldest uh, became part of the LGBTQ for about eleven years, and um, his story is in here. He's been out of that community for about twelve years. Is married with four children. But so his story is in there. My other son, who was the first to report to me um, just two months after my second marriage. Anyways, um, he has been a drug addict for 25 years. Mm -hmm. There are harmful effects. Now, I'm not saying now their abuse was chronic. It included physical abuse and threats. It, not every family goes through the depth of depravity that we have gone through, but nevertheless, there are always harmful effects. Mm-hmm. So there, it's, it's this place of walking through that with them. And sometimes, you know, we're not, we're not totally out of the woods yet. Mm-hmm. And, and I would love to say we are. They love the Lord. But they struggle with some things, and um, they can be triggered, even right. though they've had counseling and they've they've had ministry. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, we walk in this place of being um, being family, but being um, able just to understand a little bit deeper of what right. people go through. So back to. Um, the whole idea of Bill C, um, C4, C6, um, when I wrote Closing the Floodgates, so I wrote this in 2016. It went to the publishers the same, uh, the same week or a week after, I'm not sure, that Jordan Peterson came on the scene. And I'm like, I was so excited 
because I thought, thank you, Lord, that he is coming out and and about the trans uh, pronouns. But at that time, I said to my husband, you know, Bob, um, I could go to jail in the future for what's in this book. I mean, there's over 600 references. It's not it's not an easy read. It's kind of an academic, but not. I tried to make it a little bit easier than academia. But the reality is, it's not very pleasing to the LGBTQ. Um, so I kind of crossed that bridge in my mind. And I think that takes a little bit of time. You have to grasp, you have to grapple with the, the idea of where do I want to be in this battle? And how important is this fight to me? You have to make a decision because some of us will probably end up in jail. And that's uh, yeah. that's just true. And so fighting uh, conversion therapy, the same thing. So my oldest son uh, went to therapy um, for sex addictions, homosexual sex addiction. He couldn't do that now under this bill. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a lot invested in in being able to push against this kind of stuff. And I think um, the reality is, and for pastors, any pastors out there, I have a friend I noticed that's on who has a ministry and she is a wonderful lady who has decided that no matter the cost, she's still going to help people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have to decide it's an individual choice. And it's a family choice as well, because if you're trying to do this without your spouse uh, at the same time on on par with you, that would be difficult. But, yeah, we okay. have to make those decisions. And, Tanya, you've made decisions, um, choices to enter this battle and to push forward no matter the cost. Absolutely, Anne, and and thank you for that, and and thank you for sharing with us about your boys. I know quite a few people were asking a question on how that was going um, and how it's uh, the longevity of how it affects individuals. Um, but there is healing; it is going to take some work, and uh, the the breaks my heart to know that they're pumping victims out of the school system right now, and they're tearing the family unit apart. Because I know this report uh, came out that I just read, and I was sickened by it. It's in on. Ontario and BC and Ontario, I think, are the worst provinces as far as these radical agendas are concerned. And they were reporting that societies with the most LGBTQ were the healthiest and most productive societies. And that is utter sheer lies. It is where the family unit is complete a mother and father. And I'm going to add to that Christian units. And because infidelity, is far less, but it has become a fast food industry and everybody has been taught to focus on themselves and their own needs. People don't work through their problems anymore. It's just easier to flee. And we got to stop doing this. We got to face these problems head on and get to the business. All right, I'm going to do a few questions and then we're going to bring a few people on live. Uh, What are signs of pedophilia? Hmm. So with children, so you're going to see it first with your children. Um, So school performance. Now, my boys also struggled with ADHD. I think often that is a result of uh, traumatic experiences and some changes in the brain. Um, But I didn't understand that way back. And there weren't help helps in the 80s that there are now. But um, their school performance will... um, 
will change. Decline. Mm -hmm. um, eating habits, eating habits, relation, uh, the relationship with you. And so, for instance, uh, my one son, I remember this uh, so strongly and I couldn't understand it. And I talked to him about it, but when he was about five years old, and so it's a story that I was reading, his story, he, um, I went to hug him one day because I, I loved hugging my kids. And he didn't hug me back. His arms were just down at his side. He didn't hug me back. And I, I said to him, honey, what's wrong? What's going on? And, and we just, I never clued in. I never even entertained a possibility of what my former husband was doing. It didn't cross. I didn't even think of those things back right. then. And so and he just said, well, nothing, you know, but there's physical signs. There's emotional signs. Sometimes uh, with the children, you're going to have, um, you're going to have uh, bloody sheets. You're going to have different things um, that, that are warning signs. If you see that, you better take action. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's quite a, a round, there's a whole lot of different signs, but yeah, okay. basically some basics. I know e eating eating disorders are one of them as well. Anorexia, bulimia. Yeah, um, yeah there's uh, you know they they go within themselves. They retract. Uh, there's there there are those very specific people think that it's just the hormones and changing you know the changes to their bodies and mood changes and things like this so be specific it's got to be very difficult uh, you know to determine especially because the teenagers are so vulnerable with the relation between parents at that point as well and kids pulling away from the hugs and uh, you know, so it it's difficult. But for pedophiles themselves, what's the sign of an actual pedophile? Hmm. Wow! I wish there were one sign. Um, I, I I would agree. Mm -hmm. I would I would say um, if this is for men particularly. I don't know much about women pedophiles, but if if someone is so a man trying to get close to your child, um, yes. you know, wants to take your child to the park or or any anything like that, like kind of infiltrating themselves into your family. This is if mm -hmm. they're not in your family um, and and befriending a particular child. Oh, my goodness. Warning, warning, warning. And yes. so when we see teachers doing that now in in different ways, we need to really pull that child away from that, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, that's not to say there's not good teachers that just want to care for a child and help them with school stuff, but just be, I think you have to be hypervigilant in these days. I mean, unfortunately, but pedophiles will infiltrate into the family system and into the school system. And they want to be, they look good on the outside. Often they're often very intelligent and of course, manipulative. So you have yeah. to be kind of really on guard. And, and you know, we'll say yes into the families and into the schools, but also into the churches. And oh. I've experienced that firsthand. I, I have a very dear friend whose daughter ended up getting physically, sexually abused by an individual yeah. who was well, 
well respected within our church and um, it was really hard for church officials to accept this young woman who had now been addicted to drugs and bisexual and tried to commit suicide in her later teen years and you know do we take her word against this well upstanding individual in society and even the RCMP came to myself and uh, I gave testimony of who this individual was uh, because I'd had some interaction with him uh, as well so had I he he had um, what do you call that when somebody is secretly trying to Oh, I can't, I can't just, I can't think of the word right now. Um, but he had, he had been secretly trying to, uh, talk to me through messaging and it was really quite scary. I was like, you know, asking who is this? And once I found Uh out who it was, it was about a year later that my best friend was going through all of this with her daughter. And I was the first one that she had exposed it to. Um, and had I not gone through this other situation, I would have said, no way, it's not that individual, but I jumped in feet first. And I said, a hundred percent, I believe you. And it was everything for this young woman to have advocates around her. You've got to listen to these kids. And I know it's really terrifying to think that there are those who are also calling people sexual offenders or pedophiles who are not. And, and it's a very fine balance, Anne. All right. Um, another question here is, uh, how do children deal with the effects of it once their perpetrators are exposed? And how many pedophiles go to prison? I noticed someone had also asked what happened with my ex-husband. So I'll do that at the mm-hmm. same time. When, um, when the police went to pick up my former husband, he was living in Montreal at that time. And they brought him back to Ontario and back to our county. And when we told our son that he was brought back to face these charges, um, then my son went into OCD uh, behavior. He'd never behaved like that before, but he started checking the doors at night. He would come down and, and make sure everything was locked, locked all the windows. He was, uh, he was a 12, I think about that time. And um, he, uh, he just started some unusual behaviors, which make a lot of sense, right? And um, so here, here's what my, my husband now, my husband said to him, and this may be offensive to some of you, but you know what, uh, for my 12 year old son, this, this changed it for him in the sense of feeling safe. And when we said, my husband said to him, why, why are you checking everything all of a sudden? What's going on? And we kind of, we knew, but he want, he said, cause I'm really afraid. I'm really afraid he's going to come and kill us. He's going to come and kill us. Cause he always said he was going to come and kill us. And my husband said, and I, I, I mean, I kind of went, oh, can't say that to a child. He said, if he comes on my property, I will nail his balls to the fence post. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. I'm sorry. I know some of you Christians are going to really, uh, but you know what? <laughs> that, that just took all of that stress. It was like, he's going to defend me. And my son quit. Now I may not have used the same language, but my husband was so angry. He was so angry about everything that had happened and, and he had a right to be. And so there's a lot of things that happen to our children and to um, 
that that they manifest for him he didn't have eating disorders or but trauma works itself out in all kinds of ways and he had great difficulty in school he didn't even finish grade 10 and then uh my my former husband was acquitted there were, the police said it was the worst they had all kind they had, there were other uh victims uh my children weren't the other one only and the police um had all this information, the crown attorney, and see, this is 30 years ago, more than that. And um, I didn't know anything about the law. The crown attorney said, no, we only need your son's testimony. It is so strong. And the, what ended up happening is the judge said to us on the, that day when he was sentenced, uh, not sentenced, <laughs> he, the judge said, I totally believe everything your son has told us, Mm -hmm. but I can't totally disbelieve everything your former husband said. Wow. That's how you make a verdict. Well, not every word out of his mouth was a lie, but you know, if you're going to believe what, what this child says, and in those days, the child had to sit in the courtroom. It was talk about horrific, horrific. He had to testify. Mm -hmm. He had to testify. And okay. so we've we've made some progress, but yeah, it, I don't know how many get um, okay. How, how many get uh, really jail time, and if they do, sometimes it's just a slap on the wrist. Well, this is going to be part of uh, our work moving forward as well, because they've softened the laws pre-COVID, uh, yes. really, really getting ready to uh, support the pedophilia. Bill C-75, I think it was called, and there's a lot of things that people don't know. I said our problems were never COVID. It was pre-COVID. We were facing all of these things. Yeah. Okay, Terenzio, can we get to the hands up? Kim, if you're still here, I know that you had your hand up. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, right. First, I have uh, Rob. Rob, you should see a message pop up on your screen. Great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, ladies, so much for uh, for chiming in on this really important uh, subject um, and for the, you know, the sensitivity that you bring to it. Um, so I'm hoping I can be in that same vein. Um, uh, you know, you're sharing your story, Anne. I really appreciate that. Um, I myself, uh, uh, I haven't gone through the same sort of things, but I wanted to add something that I hope it's not out of place, but, um, you know how they say Hollywood is trying to make you gay. You know, I've heard that before Mm -hmm. and, you know, you've got people like Lady Gaga, who has an album called born this way. And, you know, I've done some research into this kind of stuff, and I, I've come across a, um, a YouTube video channels for things called transvestigation. So I'm wondering if you've ever heard or even know uh, what that uh, refers to. Um, uh, if you just type in transvestigation into YouTube, you'll find out that, you know, between 50 or 90% of Hollywood celebrities are secretly trans. And what's really extraordinary is that they're the ones that you think are perfectly normal. Like you can't, you can't, uh, you know, tell the difference. And in fact, they're very uh, attractive people. So once your eyes get, um, 
acquit Educated. like acquaint yeah mm-hmm. uh wow i mean this well, is a game changer. like you can it, actually it, see you can see them being predators with their predator eyes looking at you and this is hollywood so you might think that say uh scarlett johansson is a really beautiful woman when it's really a man looking at you and i know a lot of people will find that hard to you know grasp but that you can see that the hormones they work extremely well and you've got hollywood people who've got access to uh, all these kinds of surgeries hormones they've been doing it for a long time yeah so can i talk a little bit about that um i'm not i don't have um anything about uh trans so much in this book um of damaged but in damaged by the predators among us i have interviews from several different people one uh was uh someone in the music industry very high up in the music industry another one in the fashion industry and they tell their stories of what happens in those industries in this book as well and uh, you're right now i'm i would be shocked uh, to think that 90% of the actor actresses are, are trans, mm-hmm. that would be stretching it, but, um, are some of them probably a, a large percentage, but most of them, most of them have been, uh, raped as young people when they get into the business, um, and, you know, they're told it's consensual. And so Alanis Morissette, uh, she came out recently about that about a year ago. And then there's a lot more um, that are are talking about that now. So I think it, we're on a we're at the place of implosion, quite honestly. Things are coming to light. So um, right. but yes, those industries are dangerous. You know, I think I titled uh, Mamas Don't Let Your Girls Grow Up to Be Models. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so dangerous for them. Yeah, it's it's so pervasive throughout society right now and I'm I'm I know I'm going to be on that soapbox every time with everybody because we've got to get the message out. The root of the problem is because we took God out of the schools, we took God out of government, we took God out of society. And any time throughout history that this has happened, moral depravity sneaks in one patient step at a time. And in order to turn this around, we got to get on our knees, we got to ask God for forgiveness, and we've got to work towards uh, bringing back biblical values. We want to see prayer in schools, and we there is no such thing as separation of church and state. Pierre Elliott Trudeau was fighting to remove God from the Charter of Rights and the Constitution because they know, the other side knows the benefit of living a life of morality through Christian biblical principles. And the only way to destroy us is to destroy the church. And so, okay. uh, Yes. Yeah. I just want to say something there. You know, um, you can live very morally, but if we want to win this battle, we better live in righteousness and holiness. There is more necessary with the church right now. We have to get our own houses in order. And I mean, absolutely in order. We need to line up totally with the word of God in holy in holiness. And um, until that happens, uh, I don't know, you know, we're going to see little lights, but we want to win this battle. That means we need to walk in holiness and righteousness. 
And thank you for adding that, Anne, and also to be uncompromising. Uh, that's yes. one of the things my team will tell you is that Tanya is uncompromising. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, I'm not going yeah. to be involved in it. And, you know, we have said at the onset, the way to overturn this evil is through truth. It's through simply speaking the truth. Sexual deviancy is wrong. God had a perfect plan, and it is between a relationship between a male and female in the confounds of marriage. And that is the only way to, you know, to reproduce is through the male and female relationship. But we want that to also emphasize within the beauty of marriage, because then our kids are brought up once again in homes where the parents are going to be compelled to work on things when it gets tough. Every marriage has tough times. There's no room for infidelity right? The the Ten Commandments are good commandments. Yeah. Honor your father and mother. Don't cheat. Don't lie. Uh, you know, be good to each other. Love one another. But there is also healthy boundaries in love. And we're talking about healthy boundaries tonight when we're saying that we love the gay and lesbian trans community enough to speak uh, some really hard truths into their lives. Their platform was sabotaged by sexual deviance, and we're trying to bring it back to say, look, you don't have to be wrapped up in that lifestyle. You don't have to be drawn down and, uh, you know, with the rest of them. Get back on top of things. Okay, can we bring uh, Kim on, please? Absolutely. Kim, you should see a little message pop up on your screen. Hello, Trenzio. Hi, Tanya. Hello, Anne. Oh, good. I'm glad you can hear me. I had a question, uh, a little bit two parts. Um, I wanted, if I wanted to know, Anne, if you could outline the steps of a groomer, what a groomer might do as he's setting up for his prey, and how can you see any relationship to the way the narrative is going with the political LGBT and the way they set up from one step to the next, and um, and I'm just wondering if you can highlight. How do how do those boundaries get dismantled in a child? Okay, this question would take hours, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I will say to you, and I will say that a groomer starts very slowly. They win the child's confidence. And just like I said, when they will infiltrate into a family unit in some way or into a Sunday school classroom, they don't go in there and and then you know, everything breaks loose and they're all of a sudden touching the child. No, no, they're going to build relationship. So that's where it starts. And then they build on the relationship day by day, week by week, till the time where they have that child, like in their palm, the palm of their hand, they know it. I mean, that child, they built this loving, kind, compassionate relationship. And remember, most of the children that are abused are vulnerable to abuse in the, in the beginning. They are love deprived or they are, are attachment wounded. They have attachment injuries. So this person comes along and is like their new best friend and just loves them and will take them places and do things with them. So they, that's what grooming is all about. So that's a, a, you know, it's, it's step by step by step. And I mean, I don't have all the steps to go through all of that, but you just need to know to watch for someone who is taking that child and, and spending inordinate amount of time, especially a man. Think about this. What man, when you were growing up would come and come to your home and, 
and sit and read to you for an hour or, you know, mm-hmm. unless it was someone, a tutor or something. So, but these people will take the time. Look at the drag queens, how much time they take to perform in the marketplace, you know, in front of mm-hmm. our children. They don't care. Time's nothing to them. It's all about where, what benefits they're going to have after. With steps to the LGBTQ, you know, we're past the steps. They've yeah. used all the steps. I talk about all of those steps in closing the floodgates and what um, what they've done, you know, year by year almost, but how they have totally captured the minds of our culture. And so that's where we are. You know, they've used, um, you know, propaganda, the media, social media. They use whatever they can and they have tons of money. Tons of backing, usually from white billionaires. But anyways, um, but right now they don't need any more steps. They've captured the minds of Canadians. And unless we come with truth and don't back away from it, they aren't going to, those people are not going to be set free. So we have to come with love and kindness, but truth. Right. And, and I, I want to add to that, that we need to be bold, too. We need to boldly speak the truth. I've got an incident going on right now with a friend of mine who has, it's a sort of a small home church that's developed. Quite a number of people go to it. And this one older guy has signed up to help with the children. And uh, she has uh, two teenage boys, actually, and he's and a younger one, and he's beginning to, uh, you know, invite them over to watch Pinocchio. And he's mm. kind of hands on and these sort of things. These are those signs. And I yes. think that we're at a point in society is, yes, you know, we're all afraid to offend. Well, they're just actually such a nice person. What's more important right now? calling out this individual and so uh she has stepped in and she has made some very direct comments to this individual well guess what he will no longer look her directly in the eye and so we have now had another conversation about it and i said i believe this individual is a predator and that you need to now go to church leadership and call him out immediately So there are these signs, and even within my church when I was growing up, and we're talking about the church, but like I say, it's uh, it's in the schools, it's everywhere, it's prevalent, and we're trying to teach people how to look for those signs. Uh, They may like to give the kids like just these hugs. You can see the child going like this. Teenage kids, adult men should not be hugging teenage girls and uh, teenage boys. Just not. Give them a pump fist. Give them a high five. Keep your hands off the teenage kids. All of the church leadership should be expressing this. And it has completely infiltrated. So in this situation, when I give give this example of how do we call out these pedophiles, we call them out and we name it. We name the situation what it is. And that's what we're doing in the school system. We're saying that SOGI123, the Comprehensive Sexual Education Program, this is predatory behavior that is grooming our children. You do not talk to our kids about sexually um, experimenting with individuals of the same sex. You don't talk to them about porn. You don't talk to them about masturbation. If the schools are doing that, pull your kids out of the public school system. These are all the signs of pedophilia. And, you know, I'm sitting there having this conversation, like, what are the signs? And it's like, it is so um, obvious 
what it, what it is that we're facing in the education system. And this is happening in the Christian and private schools as well. If you see these signs, pull your kids out. Contact Action for Canada, because we are working with incredible Christian homeschooling groups that we have vetted across Canada. We have a wonderful lady who's head of our homeschooling groups, Doris, and we'll make sure, Sheila, you are so awesome about always putting in the chat our homeschooling information. Please, let's make sure that we put it in the description section of this video as well. We are faced with rampant pedophilia and grooming across our nation. Let's call it what it is. Let's rescue our kids, get them out of the public school system, collapse the public school system, private school system. Exactly. And and once they don't have this coming in anymore, they can't fund the school, they can't pay the heating bills. You have the power and control. There is way more of us than them. Let's get busy, my friends. Sorry, again, on my soapbox. <laughs> I just want to add to that. You know, a few years ago, I, I wasn't... Um, telling parents, get your kids out of the school system. Um, I was suggesting it, but I wasn't telling them. And it's like the last two or three years, I'm going, why are your children in public school? Do you know what they're showing your children? And I did a, um, a video on this. You've seen this one, right? This book yes. uh, is perfectly yes. normal. I can't put it where you're going to see it. I'm yeah. sorry. Go to <laughs> I'm, your I'm other dyslexic. side. <laughs> but I I showed my 30-year-old son who was at our house uh, this book, and um, I, I just opened it, and I said, what do you think about this? And he said, Mom, that's pedophilia or pornography, mm-hmm. pornography. And there actually are some pedophilic um, images in here because it's a teen boy and older man, you can tell. And, and those are the kind of things that are – in your schools, you you can't control if your child's going to see that. You have to get them out of the system. There's no ends, ifs, or buts. So that's where you're Thank at. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. I'm going to ask a few more minutes. I just want to remind everybody, uh, when we have a guest on, I know there can be a lineup of people with questions, but it takes conversation sometimes to unfold. We are never going to be able to answer everybody's questions. We are one of the only shows that provides an opportunity to talk with the guests and ask questions as well. And and so it's an unfolding. What we'd like to do is I think we have about seven people lined up uh, to ask questions themselves. And sometimes we put a timer on and give them a a minute in total they ask their question and then you try to answer it in a minute (laughs) are you up to that well that's good it's 9 30 here and tomorrow i have to drive to ottawa which is about a seven hour drive so i know i need to pack so yeah um, i can do a minute for each question if that's okay okay trenzio let's do a couple of them and then we're gonna wrap the show up okay sounds good first one we have is uh giles Hi, Giles. I hope you can unmute. Sometimes the Zoom unmute doesn't work. Hey. Oh, there you yeah, go. Can you... Yes, can we're, we're going to put, we sure can. We're going to put you on a timer. What's your question? Hey, my question is, uh, uh, what can Christians do to be uh, more, uh, as powerful as uh, the LG? the Q uh, group that are able to to come to school via um, government, via school board. What can Christians do? Because it seems like Christians 
are not as powerful in the government, in the law. Yes. The, what can you do? Okay. Well, number one, we have to choose to be that committed. We have to be that committed to our children, to our cause, as the LGBT are to their cause. We mm -hmm. must be, first of all, committed. And then we must continue to continue to advocate. So uh, this week in an Ontario school not far from me, um, a young girl, I think she's only like 12 years old, uh, told the principal to take down the flag. She had a pair of scissors and a screwdriver. She said, cut up the flag or take Jesus off the cross. <laughs> it was a Catholic mm. school. Anyways, mm -hmm. so I haven't heard the outcome of that, but they haven't kicked her out. Mm. And, you know, if a 12-year-old child can confront this stuff, like every time I drive past our local schools, what do we see? The pride flag. And we need to understand what those colors mean. I did a, a huge thing on implosion, so it's all there. It won't be out till March. But you have to understand what you're worshiping, and you need to explain it to others. Mm -hmm. Others do not know. Teachers do not know. You go in, and you take the truth, and you tell them. That's right. where and you're going to get some leverage. Right. And just so people know, Gilbert Baker, who created the pride flag, said that's what flags are for. Flags are about proclaiming power. So they're putting their power and they're owning schools and city halls. These flags need to come down. It is a political movement and they need to be neutral. Oh. And only the Canadian flag or the provincial flag should be up those poles. And I need to do a plug exactly. for Action for Canada here because we have our notice of liability against SOGI123, the books that Anne was showing, the drag queens and the GSA, the uh, Gay Straight Alliances in the schools to get all of this out of the schools. We have huge campaigns against public libraries and against the uh, presenting to school board trustees, and we are having an incredible effect. So please make sure you get involved in a local community, join Action for Canada and help us, because the more people taking action, the sooner we're going to overturn this. All right, next we'll do maybe two more questions, and then and I we're going to send you on your way to pack. <laughs> okay, good we're going to send you All packing. Right. <laughs> Next yeah. person we have up is Brian. Brian, you should see a message pop up. No. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Hi, Brian. Yep. What's your question? Tanya, don't ever get off your soapbox. Please don't. <laughs> okay. Um, you do it so well. And thank you. Uh, with what you've spoken, with all your books and everything from the moment you were conceived. God had a mission for you, yes. and you're on it right now. And your books, they'll express the truth. You say the truth, and God will stand with you. I don't know which psalm that comes from, but I'm a strong believer in that. Keep your mm -hmm. eye on Jesus. Don't ever turn your head backwards. You'll never mm -hmm. fail. I just want to thank you both for what you're saying tonight inform people i would have been with concrete bob last weekend tanya mm. but i was on that uh um memorable uh, rip, uh road trip here right. in the well, okanagan brian thank you thank so you. much so so much there's going to be more activity in Kelowna, and we'll count on you being there and 
to the heart of all of us, our gratitude. Um, we're going to have the one more question. Thank you so much, Brian. Next question we have up is from Whitney. Whitney, you should see a message pop up on your screen to unmute. Hi, Whitney. Can you unmute? She could All be right. having some troubles there. Okay. We can go to the next next one. We have is Wendy. Hi, Wendy. Okay. If Wendy can't unmute, then you know what? We'll wrap the show up here. And, oh, sorry. I think that Wendy just unmuted. Hi, Wendy. There. How are you doing? Good. Uh, What's your question? Wendy Hoggett. I'm a Sunday school teacher, and I've been listening to your program. My pastor said, Wendy, you talked to all the members, and we're all listening to you tonight. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of us. But, you know, what's going on right now is pretty much what, what's happened with the Catholic Church with all the priests throughout the world, you know, that was, that was really a, a head turner with that situation, them, you know, sexually abusing the children. So basically that same situation is happening within our country uh, mm-hmm. in a political sense. And that is something that has to be recognized. And you're, that's what you're doing right now. And I, I think the program's terrific. It's quite an eye opener. And uh, I can't imagine, Anne, what you went through uh, being married to, in the situation that you were, that must have been something. So that is really an eye-opener. So thank you so much, okay. the two of you, for bringing this program uh, to us all. We've got we're, The whole church is watching you tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks very much. God bless. Have a, I may have shocked them with my wording. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, and it's honest. And, oh, my friend, thank you so much. It's been an honor having you on the show. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for writing the books and providing the resources and the teaching and the training for ringing the bell and warning so many Canadians. Um, You are such a gift, and um, I'm just so grateful to have had you on the show presenting tonight. And I'd just like to invite you to give a closing statement uh, before you need to leave. Hmm. Well. I think I'll go back to the scripture um, that God implanted in my heart after one of my husband's uh, many affairs. And it comes from Isaiah. Um, I think I have it here too. I don't, I don't think I can remember it right now offhand. Um, but it's from Isaiah 61. And it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and to bind up the brokenhearted. And you know the rest of that scripture. But that scripture, that scripture is for the brokenhearted. You know, that God wants to bind you up. He wants to heal your heart. And he wants to restore back to you the years the locust has eaten. He wants to give you um, a song, a new song. And he wants to restore the cities that have been laying in ruin generationally, that you would rise up under the anointing of the Lord. And I pray that for each one of you tonight, that you would become his anointed ones to touch these children, these adults, the wounded, the abused, um, with your love, compassion, grace, and that you would Mm -hmm. speak truth into their very spirits. Amen. Wow. Amen. Thank you so much, Anne. Uh, We will need to have you back on the show. 
We look forward to that. Thank you. God bless you. Bless you all. All right. Thank you. Wow, that was an incredible show tonight. Um, it was amazing, you know, because, you know, we could look at Anne as a therapist and helping others, uh, but how powerful to hear of her own journey of having to go through this herself and speaking from experience. What a deeper place uh, for her to come from to uh, assist others on their journey and how treacherous of the government to try to shut down therapists from helping those whom they are abusing. And um, on that, so Terenzio, uh, can you bring up our next week's guest is going to be none other than Rocco Galati. I am so excited to have him on the show. It's not that we're going to delve deep into all the legal actions. We're going to talk about some other important stuff too, like what happened through the truckers convoy and this government inquiry, a little bit about the citizens inquiry and so much more. So do join us next week. Um, just to give you an update as well, Rocco is working for fervently on our statement of claim. I know some of you can say like, oh my gosh, that should have been filed three months ago. But I want to let you know, and you're going to um, understand better when we actually file the statement of claim. Had we filed it three months ago, we miss, would have missed something critical that needed to be in the claim. And you'll understand that when we file it. So trust God and his timing. Trust that what Rocco is working very hard on our behalf. Our case is not his only one. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was fighting in the court because there was a motion to strike the federal um, action that he's doing on behalf of 600 federal workers. And that because of that uh, uh, action, that legal action alone, it overturned the travel mandates and the travel app. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that next week as well. We don't have to just be right in the courts in order to have success. Rocco is having success just by filing. Because what he's filing is is um, the type of constitutional challenge in the language that's needed to compel those who are guilty to do the right thing. And I think they're very afraid. And I'm going to count on that. And I'm looking forward to progressing and getting into court. All right. So Rocco, I'm sorry, Rocco Terenzio, can you please also bring up the scripture? I want this uh, to be encouragement to those who are going to hear this show or showed up tonight and you are wrestling with the sin in your life. Now, it's we're not just talking to gays and lesbians. You may be committing adultery. Um, you may be physically harming or abusing your child or your loved one or something. You have a secret addiction to pornography. God does not. He, this is not from God. This is from the depths of hell. These struggles, the shame that's attached to them, shame is not a, a part of God. God wants you to be released, but you need to come to a point in your life where you need to get right with God. And it means taking a knee and say, God, please, please just make yourself real to me. Please just speak to me in an audible voice. And God, in the most miraculous testimonies that people will give, um, they speak of how God spoke to their heart in a way that was so real and so profound they could not deny it was the voice of God. He has called you by name. He knows every hair on your head. That's how much he loves you. He formed you in his mother's womb. And when you pray to him, you just need to come before him, say, God, I am a sinner and I am in need of a savior. Jesus Christ, please be Lord and savior of my life. I give my life to you and ask that in Jesus name. And so in Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates 
his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So know that love, understand that love, give your your lives to Jesus and understand the love. His sacrifice on the cross was excruciating, but he was willing to do that once for all humanity. So all we need to do is but ask for forgiveness and it will be given unto us. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, Again, what a blessing this evening has been. I love you guys. God bless you and God bless Canada.